Ezra chapter 7 and verse number 10. The Bible says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would encourage our hearts tonight from your word. May each of us be willing to be used by you in whatever way you deem best. May we apply ourselves to knowing and doing your word and then sharing with others as you give opportunity the truth of that word that they too might be blessed through it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you need to get a job done properly, it's not always the size of the tool that matters. Some people think bigger is better. Well, it depends on what you're doing. For example, if your eyeglasses break and you need to replace the screw that holds the arm of your eyeglasses into the frame, you're probably not going to go and rent a jackhammer, right? You're going to go get one of those little eyeglass repair kits and in there will be a little tiny screwdriver that is so small it's, it's almost useless for any other purpose. But you see, that tool was designed for a specific purpose, to repair eyeglasses and to be able to unscrew and screw in those little itty-bitty screws that they use to put your glasses together. Now, many Christians think that in order to do something important for God, well, that you have to be some powerful preacher or a world-famous evangelist, or some legendary missionary. And if you're not one of those, well, then you're just not quite as important. But nothing could be farther from the truth. Every Christian is important in God's work. The Bible uses the illustration of the human body to help us understand how important every single member is, especially the smaller members. Those members that seem less significant, uh, we find them to be actually pretty important to us. And when it comes to doing something for God with your life, understand that no matter what skills you have or don't have, no matter what fame you have or don't have, no matter how much influence you have or don't have, it really doesn't matter as long as you are doing what God has designed you to do. As long as you are doing God's will for your life. So instead of bemoaning the fact, well, I'm not this person or I don't have that position, each of us should take what God has given us and devote ourselves entirely to serving God to the best of our ability. In the Old Testament, we are introduced to this man by the name of Ezra. He ended up with a book named after him. But he's a man whose background is lost in total obscurity. If you were to go searching in the Bible for what uh, was going on in Ezra's life prior to the events that we see here in this book, you would find that there is hardly anything recorded about him. 
Unlike other men in the Bible, like Daniel, who we know his story pretty much from the time he was a kid until he was a very old man, Ezra's not like that. We don't know really what he was doing uh, other than some very small details. In fact, all we know about him prior to his accomplishments in the book of Ezra in Nehemiah was the fact that he was a scribe. That's all we know. Now, a scribe was literally a professional bookworm, okay? How many of you like to read? How many of you like to look at the pictures? Okay, that's me. Ezra was a scribe. He spent all day reading and writing. That's what he did. In fact, one of his main jobs was to make copies of documents. And in particular, he would have been in charge of making copies of the Scripture. So as a part of that, he became very familiar with the Word of God. But he was, uh, he was, and he was good at what he did. But it was not his fame that caused God to use him because he really didn't have any. And it wasn't his skill that God calls, uh, that, that caused God to use him. He was simply a humble tool in the hands of a mighty Savior. Look back at verse number six in this passage. It says, this Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his request. Notice this next phrase. According to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. The reason that Ezra accomplished something great was not because of his skill or his fame or his intelligence. It was simply because God used him. He was a humble tool in the hand of a mighty God. But understand that he was not a passive tool. He did his part to be useful to God. He made himself, in the language of the New Testament, to be a vessel unto honor. He yielded himself as an instrument of righteousness that God could use. And how exactly did he do that? Verse number 10 that we read just a moment ago. It says that Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Now notice verse 10 starts with the word for, F-O-R. It it means that this, this verse is important because it explains what comes before it. God used Ezra. God's hand was upon Ezra. Because Ezra had prepared himself. He had done his part to be ready for God to use whenever God was ready to use him. And so he was ready when God gave him a burden for the people of Israel. He was ready to act upon that, to make a journey of many months, to go back to Israel, to go back to Jerusalem, and to lead in teaching God's people God's word. Now you may think, well, I'm not an Ezra. And that is true, and neither am I. But remember, it's not the size of the tool that matters. God has a job for you to do. Sometimes you need the jackhammer. Sometimes you need the little eyeglass screwdriver. But whatever you are, God can and God wants to use you. And just like God used Ezra to impact really a whole generation, God wants to use you to impact others with the truth of God's Word as well. If we will take the same simple steps that Ezra took, then God can 
and God will use us. We're going to see tonight from this verse that the first step Ezra took so that God could use him was he studied the Word of God. Then secondly, he submitted to the Word of God. And then finally, he shared the Word of God. Now these are very simple steps, and Christians who follow these steps can be used of God to impact their world in a mighty way. But Christians who refuse to follow these steps will not make much difference in the world. We need to commit ourselves to God's service, take these steps, and then we can have a godly influence on those around us, and even, like Ezra, have an impact on a generation. Number one, the first step we, want to, we have to take if we want to be used of God is we need to study God's Word. Notice that was how verse number 10 describes Ezra's preparation. The first thing that he prepared his heart to do was to seek the law of God. Now again, Ezra was a scribe, and verse number 6 describes him, pun intended. Did you get that? Describes him. As a ready scribe. That means that he was skilled. That means that he was good at what he did. He was, in every sense, a professional. Now, he knew the Word of God because it was his job to know it. But for some people, that's as far as it would ever go. They would interact with the Word of God as much as they absolutely had to, but no farther. Ezra had a different attitude. Instead of just becoming familiar with the Bible because that's what he had to do, and when he clocked out at the end of the day, went home and didn't think about it again, Ezra devoted his life to seeking the law of God. Notice that word. Underline it in your Bible, maybe. It says that he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. What does it mean to seek something? I don't know. Have you ever lost your, lost your car keys before? Have you ever lost your wallet before? Or the most embarrassing, you put your glasses up on top of your head and then you lose them, you know? And you start looking for them, going around. Where's the last place I had them? You check in your, all the normal spots on top of your dresser, maybe on the table here and maybe it's in the car and you're looking all over the place and you're trying to find that thing that you lost and, and you get increasingly frustrated and all of a sudden you start, you get to that, that, that kind of that crossover point where you just start tearing everything apart, you know? The couch cushions come out, all the drawers are coming out, and you're just looking everywhere because you've got to find it. You've got to find those car keys, or you're going to be late for the appointment. You've got to find your wallet because if you don't, you're going to have to replace all the cards and the driver's license, and that's a headache. Or you've got to find your glasses, or else you won't be able to see to find your glasses, you know? Those kinds of things. You get so frustrated, and you just, you just, you finally say, I'm not doing anything else until I find it. You know what that is? That point right there? That's seeking. It's more than just a casual search. It's more than just glossing over the words, reading through the pages and saying, okay, I've read my Bible reading for today. But it is giving yourself wholly to knowing and understanding what God says. He prepared his heart to seek the law of God. This means that the Word of God was not just an intellectual exercise for him to know it, but it was something that he wanted to absorb into his life. He wanted to be a part of who he, who he was. You know, there's a big difference between knowing the Bible in your head and hiding God's Word in your heart. 
Psalm 119 verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. There are a lot of Christians who know a lot about the Bible. And you ask them if they could quote a Bible verse, they could probably quote you several, maybe dozens. But just because you have the Bible in your head doesn't mean that it's in your heart. Ezra was the kind of man whose relationship with the Word of God was deep. He wasn't just reading and copying the Bible. He was searching it. Your interaction with the Word of God cannot just be a verbal exercise. It has to be a spiritual exercise. Do you understand the difference tonight? I can read a chapter of a book just for fun, and I can retain the words, but it's not going to change my life very much. I need to get into the Word of God and not just read the words and understand the definitions, but I need to understand how God wants me to apply that to our life so that it will change the way that I live. And in order for that to happen, I need to study the Word of God. Ezra was like the believers in Berea who searched the Scriptures daily. The same word that's used there, same idea. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to go to Scriptures and we need to, we need to dissect it. We need to figure out how the parts work together. We need to understand the themes and the messages and the overall pictures and how this truth should change my life in this way. And this is an ongoing task. I don't know how many years Ezra had been a scribe at the point that God called him to go back to Israel. That God doesn't tell us. I mean, if he was a professional scribe, it's reasonable to conclude that he was probably in his 30s or 40s, and he could have been reading and studying and copying Scripture for 10 to 20 years at the very least. It's possible that he had been doing it for much longer than that. You know, at some point, he might have been tempted to say, and, and remember this too, he was, talk, he was interacting with the first five books of the Bible primarily. We have a lot more even that we can avail ourselves of. But I, I, I would imagine that there came a point where he was tempted to think, I've learned everything I can learn from this book. I, I'm going to guess there was a point that he thought about just kind of backing off a little bit, maybe just, you know, kind of taking it easy and not stressing so much perhaps about digging into the Word of God. But that's not what he did. He continued to seek the law of God. Now, what do we find when we study the Scriptures? We find the truth. And the most important truth we find is the truth about God. Studying the Bible is really the way that we learn about God. The way we learn about the author of Scripture. By studying the Bible, we learn more about Him and we are therefore drawn closer to him. Jesus said, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Ezra was prepared to make an impact on a generation because, number one, he prepared his heart to seek the law of God. He studied the word. But it didn't stop there. Number two, not only did he seek the law or study it, he submitted to the word of God. 
Notice again back in our text, verse number 10. It says that he prepared his heart to seek the law of God and to do it. And to do it. He submitted to the Word. You know, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road, as the saying goes. It's one thing to know what the Bible says, or to even claim that you've hidden it in your heart. But it's another thing to actually do it. We have to submit our will to God's will as revealed in His Word if we're going to make a difference. You know, I, I always kind of scratch my head, especially when I'm reading like parenting material and different things like that. And recently, you know, I preached through the, uh, uh, some of the biblical principles about parenting and about the gentle parenting nonsense and all of that stuff. And, and as, I, as I read through some things, especially parenting advice, there's a lot of people who, who seem to think that behavior modification is a bad idea. They, they use that term, well, that's just behavior modification, as if that's something bad. Can, can I just be honest with you tonight? As a Christian, we must understand that one of our supreme goals in life for ourselves is behavior modification. It's changing what we think and what we do constantly to become more and more like Jesus. And God gave us this book not to leave us where we were in our thinking and in our actions, but to change us and to modify our behavior. That's one of the reasons that He gave this book. So that we could see in the pages of Scripture what God wants us to do, and thus it reveals to us where we're missing that, and we can make the corrections and we can do what is right. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And if you study the Bible, and if you do it properly, it's not just an intellectual exercise, but a spiritual exercise, what will inevitably happen is you will find things that you should be doing that you aren't, and things that you shouldn't be doing and you are. And God reveals that to you, not just for information, but for transformation. To change you and me to become more like Christ. Turn to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. As a believer, we should want our behavior to be modified, to become more like Jesus. As it should be a desire of our heart, not to stay how we are, but to be different, to be better, to be more like Christ. And the truth we learn in the Bible is intended to change us into His image. James chapter 1, verse number 22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. 
It's not enough to hear the Bible. It's not enough to read the Bible. It's not enough to know the Bible. We must do what the Bible says. If, we're, if we don't, James says, we're like a person who goes and looks in a mirror and sees that, oh, there are things messed up. Some of you looked in the mirror this morning and you about scared yourself, you know. I got to fix that before I go anywhere. Uh, you know, Brother Barron, he spent half an hour getting his hair right this morning because it was just every which way. But you look in the mirror and you see, oh, there's things that need to be fixed. But if you look at that and say, oh, well, I'm just going to go with it. And you walk away and you don't do anything about it. That's foolishness. The mirror, by the way, all it does is tell you the truth. A good mirror doesn't distort the image. It just says, here it is, deal with it. And that's exactly what the Word of God does. It just tells us the truth. And when we look into it and it reveals to us that there's something in our life that's out of place, our spiritual hair needs to be combed, our spiritual face needs to be clean, our spiritual stubble needs to be shaved, whatever it is, God's revealing that to us, not just so that we'll know it, but so that we'll do something about it. And I like the promise that's given in James 1.25, that if we continue in the law of liberty, and that has the idea of obey it perpetually, and don't be a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, God says, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If I were to take a poll tonight and say, how many of you want to be blessed in all that you do? I guarantee you, everyone who's honest would say, yes, I want to be blessed. Well, here's one of the keys to being blessed. Do what the Bible says. And that's what Ezra did. He prepared his heart to seek the law of God and to do it. He didn't just study it to fill his head with facts. He submitted to it so that he might be living the kind of life that God wants us to live. As we look into the Word of God, we see, again, truth about God. And we see the image of Christ revealed in the pages of Scripture. And as a child of God, the Holy Spirit does something wonderful in us through the pages of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we look into the Bible and we see the image of Christ, the Holy Spirit works in us to change us in that image, slowly, step by step, progressively, from glory to glory, we are changed to be more like Jesus. There are a lot of, uh, of illustrations that the Bible uses to help us understand how it works in our lives. For instance, it's a light. It's a light that shines on our path, but it's an, also a light that shines in our heart and reveals our sin. Hebrews says it's a sword that cuts deeply. It reveals what's really on the inside, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jeremiah said that it's like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. And oftentimes our heart gets hardened like a rock and we need the Word of God to soften it. It's like a fire that separates the impurities from the precious metals. You see, God's Word is a living and an active book. It's not some dusty, dead document that we should just put out on the, on the coffee table as a decor decoration. It's something that we ought to get into and allow it to get into us. We must submit to its work then by living in obedience. Not just know what God says, but do it. Turn to Matthew 7. 
Matthew chapter 7. I'm sure many of you know the song, The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. Based on the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus told the story about two different men. One man built his house upon a rock, another upon sand. Storms came to both of them, but one house stood, the house that was founded on rock, and one house fell the house that was built on sand. Now, what was the difference? The difference was the foundation. Now, look at verse 24. Jesus explains the meaning of this little story. He says, verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a man which built his house upon a rock. Look at verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. What's the difference between these two men? They heard the same word. They built the same house. They faced the same storms. But one man's spiritual house stood and the others crumbled. Because the wise man didn't just hear the word, he did it. The foolish man heard the word and thought that was good enough. And his house crumbled. And we go back to the man Ezra. And as you read his story, you find that he faced some storms himself. There was opposition. There were people that hated him. There were people who tried to stop him. But you know what? He stood through all of those storms and God was able to use him in a mighty way because his spiritual house was founded not just on a knowledge of the Word of God, but obedience to the Word of God. He studied the Word and he submitted to the Word. But even then, he would never have had the kind of impact he had if it wasn't for the third step he took. Step number three, if you want to have an impact on others... With the truth of God's Word, you need to share the Word of God. Ezra 7.10 again says that Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of God and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. He had a burden that God gave him to see God's people educated in God's Word. He wanted other people to know the wonderful truth that he knew. He wanted them to experience the transformation that God's Word can bring into your life. And he wanted them to know the blessing of having God's hand upon their life just like he did. And so he impacted a whole generation because his heart was prepared to share the Word of God. He wasn't a hearer of the Word only. He was a doer of it. And because he both heard and did, he was in the proper place, and he was qualified for this third step. He could share the Word of God with others, and they were likely to listen to him and learn because he was living the truth that he taught. Do as I say, not as I do. That doesn't work in spiritual leadership. Because most people can spot a hypocrite a mile away. You think about how different it is when it comes to the job of a Christian in sharing the gospel or exhorting other Christians. It is dependent on our 
obedience to the message that we're sharing. Think about how different it is from a lawyer. You know, if you were to get a speeding ticket and you went to hire a lawyer to help you manage or deal with this ticket, you probably don't really care if he's ever got a speeding ticket before or not. If he's a good lawyer, he can probably still help you deal with your ticket. Or a doctor. You know, a doctor may be, let's say they, they were diagnosed with cancer and they're going through cancer treatments. They might be going through the same thing. Well, that's not going to change how the medicine they give you is going to work. It's still going to be effective. But you see, as a Christian, if we are not living the message that we are sharing, it's not going to be effective because people aren't going to be willing to listen. We are walking advertisements for the gospel. The question is, how, are we doing that faithfully or not? That's why the New Testament puts a special emphasis on the personal character of God's servants. 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul told Timothy, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. He told Timothy, Timothy, you make sure that you're living right. You make sure that you're doing right. And then you are prepared to teach others. And so the preparation of obedience is a necessary prerequisite for teaching others. But let me also say that teaching others and sharing the truth is a natural result of obedience to the Word of God. Because as you get into the Scriptures, you know what you find? You find things like, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's a command that you've been expected to obey. You find passages that say things like, The things that thou hast heard of me, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach other, others also. And you go through the Bible and you find out that every believer has a responsibility to one degree or another to be encouraging and instructing every other believer. And to do that, we have to be studying, submitting to the Word of God, and then sharing it. I love a word that Paul uses in 1 Timothy 4.12 and Titus 2 verse number 7. Paul tells these young men to be examples of the believer. And in the Greek, the word that's translated example is the word type. Like we get our English word type from. Like an old-fashioned typewriter would have uh, metal stamps that would be used to transfer the image of a letter or a symbol onto paper. Now, in order for the image to be duplicated correctly, the stamp has to be formed correctly. Well, each of us is kind of like a stamp. And as we go through life, we come in contact with a lot of different people. And every time you come in contact with someone, you make an impression on them of one sort or another. And as a Christian, the question we need to ask is this. Is the impression that I give other people a Christ-like impression or not? Or is the image of Christ distorted in us so that the impression that we give others is wrong? You know, one of the major faults of the Pharisees was the fact that they tried to teach other people to do what God's Word says, but they didn't do it themselves. Uh, they made a big deal and were very strict about what other people could or couldn't do but for themselves, they were pretty lenient. And so Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse number 4, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves 
will not move them with one of their fingers. A person who's willfully disobeying the Bible has no business teaching the Bible. If we want to make a difference with the truth of God's Word, we have to share it. And we have to do it. And we have to learn it. Study the Word of God. Submit to it in obedience. And then share it with others that they too might live according to God's truth. Ezra went back to Jerusalem and God used him in a mighty way to lead the people into revival. They begged for the Word of God and when they read in God's Word what God wanted them to do, they submitted to it and an entire generation of Jews were blessed in large part because of one man named Ezra. I believe that our generation needs more people like him. We can look out and we can, we can grumble, we can moan, and we complain, can complain about the state of our country and the state of our churches and the state of our young people, and we can complain about all of these different things. But I ask you, what are we doing to make a difference? What steps are we taking to impact this generation with the truth of the Word of God? How much time do we spend studying the Word of God? How much time do we spend dedicating ourselves to obedience and submitting to it? How often do we intentionally share the truth of the Word of God? Listen, God has put certain people in your life, every one of you here tonight, and myself included, whether it's children, spouses, other family members, neighbors, friends, co-workers, Whoever it might be, God's put certain people in your life because He wants you to have an influence on them with the truth of God's Word. And if you're going to impact them, you must start by studying the Word of God yourself. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that lieth within you with meekness and fear. You must submit to the Word of God yourself and be living the truth that you've learned. And you must share the Word of God from that position of obedience because then it is most likely to be received. And no, you and I are not Ezra. But we are like Esther in a certain place for such a time as this. Whatever your place is, Whatever job that God wants you to do, be faithful to do it. Be faithful to study God's Word, submit to it, and share it. And God can use you to make an impact on others. With heads bowed and eyes closed this evening. I hope that as you have listened to the Word of God tonight, that it has encouraged you You may be thinking that you don't have much influence and you might be wondering if God could really do something with you. The answer is yes, He can. And He wants to. Look, there are people that you meet day in and day out that I will never have an opportunity to influence. God put them in your life for a reason. And if we would just be faithful 
to take these steps, I believe that God will use us like He used Ezra and so many others in Scripture. So I want to invite you tonight during this time of invitation to take a moment alone with God and just surrender yourself to be used by Him in whatever way He deems best. I'm going to ask my wife to play number 490, Take My Life and Let It Be. And let it be a prayer to your, in your heart tonight to the Lord. Turn in your hymnals to that number, number 490. And I'd like for us to stand together and sing on the second verse. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for the number 490. David Riffle, would you close this up? 